good morning or good evening or afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. This is Derek Hart, the host of the CSA Podcast Show. And this is another one in our series, Interviewing Security Leaders. And if you've tuned in before, you know we, we've done uh, many of these. And we're always looking to interview people across industry, across geography, from all aspects of the space that we define as control system-related cybersecurity. And today I've got uh, a great addition. I think I don't think there's been anybody yet that's in this particular area, the buildings, and we're talking about building control systems and building management systems. So I'm super excited to have Byron Lopez uh, on the show. Welcome to the show, Byron. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. So Byron uh, hailed from L.A., uh, born in, well, not born there, but uh, spent most of his life there, uh, mm-hmm. formerly from uh, El Salvador, but uh, but pretty young, if I remember right, when you ended up in L.A. And, and uh, right. so, uh, you're a loyal uh Long-time, lifelong uh, L- L.A. person. I don't know what the term for an L.A. L.A. person is. Uh, Angelino. So we go by Angelino. I think I've heard that before. Angelino. Okay, perfect. You know, uh, Byron, you know, I, looking at background and in kind of talking to you and looking at your background, it's great. You're, you're clearly a technologist. You're into technology. You're into how it works. Uh, you have an engineering you know, degree and you have engineering in your background. Where I think you were a land surveyor at one point. So you clearly how it all works makes sense. And then technology comes in there. We'll talk about that. And how all that blends together, and now today the full the full future of it. Uh, you know, how do we secure it? Your husband, you're the IT guy of the family, the extended family. I, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that model of people. Like, how does this work? You get the calls. Um, you're a soccer fan, and you're a dreamer. You're looking ahead. You're thinking about what things are coming up, and I love that. Uh, I, I, it resonates with me. I, I think I am too. You know, what, what's just beyond the horizon? Um, and I know you're a hammer. You know, I know that's the term that resonates for you, and that you get things done. You see the objective that's been outlined and you want to get it done and there's a lot in your space and in our space that are you know our nails that need to be need to be hammered down um, so i like i like that that that's your your kind of your orientation and you've got today just to give people scope you're looking at the operational technology and the security of it over 14 million and growing rapidly uh 14 million square feet uh mm-hmm. over 100 buildings is that, is that right yeah, yeah, we have uh, we have a diverse background until we're, we're primarily in four strategic regions, which are Seattle, San Francisco, LA, and San Diego. So uh, encompasses about 14 million Class A commercial real estate. Awesome, awesome. Well, that'll give us some some context. Let's back up. Um, so I know it's in Los Angeles, but uh, you know where does I was interested where technology or where engineering, you know, where those things mm-hmm. intersect with your life. You know, when when did they first start coming up? Uh, what, what's your first exposure? So when I was in high school, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. Uh, in high school, I was lucky enough to have mentors and a great teacher who exposed us to engineering. I come from South Central, so you know engineering and South Central don't normally go together, uh, but it worked out for us at our high school. Uh, we were exposed to multiple disciplines: engineering, you know, electrical, mechanical, civil, aerospace. And that's what pointed me to be an engineer and as a technologist. You know, that exposure to People like me who came from a neighborhood like I did uh, and the things that they were doing, you know, there were guys who were designing aircraft, they were uh, designing large buildings. So in high school, I made that decision. I wasn't quite sure I was either going to become a lawyer. Um, I wanted to be an ar- uh, uh, architect and an uh, archaeologist, but I think engineering really solved a lot of those questions for me and allowed me to have my fingers in a lot of pies, like they say. So. It was one of those things where it just created a great experience. So in high school, that's kind of where I made the decision that I wanted to be an engineer. Uh, and I wanted to find something in that space that worked for me. You know, in high school, you're making some decisions. What do you decide to do? Um, I know you come from a military 
family, your father, uh, right. and that was something you considered. So you've got this matrix of choices, and what happens? You know, what do you do? Correct. So in high school, my senior year, I was actually selected to go to the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, they have a very small program called AIM. So the idea was that I was going to go to the Coast Guard Academy, uh, do four years as a cadet, come out as an ensign, and then you know my career would go from there. Unfortunately, there were some personal uh, things that came up. That kind of plan got a little messy. So the next best thing was, you know, stay local. I had a choice to go to Texas. That wasn't really for me. So staying local at Kelsville, I went to go study mechanical engineering, looking at that and looking at what systems came up there. And then dabbled a little bit in, you know, civil engineering. I uh, didn't really like electrical too much. I came back to mechanical. And I was lucky enough that there was also another mentor there who actually ran a program in technology, which was a diverse program that included engineering, Plus, you know, technology systems like computers, power energy and transportation, and teaching, which is one of my passions as well. I love teaching and training people. So it kind of mixed the program together. Uh, so I was able to graduate with a degree in industrial technology uh, with a focus in engineering uh, and kind of see many different aspects of, you know, what I could do in my future, not just you know, one specific mechanical idea, but a lot of broad technology ideas. Well, that ends up, that makes sense. It's a building block where you, where you, where you ended up and the kinds mm-hmm. of things you're doing today. The fundamental understanding of how all that stuff works and how it all plugs together. It's a constant dialogue in this industry. Do the, do the leaders, the people that are making decisions on cybersecurity for operating technology or control systems, do they come mm-hmm. from this background or do they come from that background? And the truth is, you, you know, experts are unicorns, right? They're a little bit rare mm-hmm. that they have a fundamental understanding of the engineering and how it all works and safety and things that IT people don't necessarily have to know. But the same token, there's all this stuff that IT, you know, IT and cyber folks know that that engineers and building control system people, as I know you know well, don't have to know and historically didn't know. And so it's this blend. And uh, so you come up from the engineering background, but information technology is pretty early on. It's also there and present for you. Correct. Yes. I mean, when I graduated, my focus is mostly on the technology side, right? I went to work for a real estate company uh, because of the work that they were doing. I had an option to go work on satellite uh, and I decided that maybe that wasn't for me. I was really excited where that real estate company was at that point. Young people working in the IT department, uh, very projects all over the U.S. and projects off, you know, off the U.S. stores, um, international. But they had a lot of interesting things going on and it also kind of blended my like for construction, I had been a field surveyor as an intern. So I had been out in construction sites, you know, during my college years, looking at how building was brought up. So being able to integrate the technology, integrate the buildings, see construction and envision that future, right? Seeing a dirt lot go into a 26, 36, 46 story building, or even a project in, in New York, 432 Park, you know, it was one of the projects that that company worked on. It was the highest residential building in, in New York. So that organization worked on that project, being able to see how that came to life, you know, 90 plus stories. So it was it was a mixture of real estate that allowed me to do engineering and technology, which was very interesting because in college, you never thought that you were going to work for a real estate company. You were going to go work for one of the big engineering firms. It just went different. You know, it was a different path and I've been very happy with it. So when do you, do you recall when cybersecurity first comes up in any of that context? That was more recently. So that was with my current uh, employer with Kilroy, right? When all the big issues were happening with Target and people were getting hit with their control systems. And, you know, we had a 
it, it's coming to kind of God kind of idea, right? Uh, that kind of sense of, you know, what's going on with our buildings? We have large tenants. What can we do to help maintain and protect our security? And then how can we also push the sustainability piece of our, of our organization? Kill was really big in sustainability. So we had projects out there, but we weren't quite sure what they were. So we engaged with a partner, uh, Intelligent Buildings. We kind of did a scope of, you know, where were we? What are we doing? Where are, are we lacking? And what can we do to resolve that? So that's kind of where the idea of having a, an operational technology manager came in. Somebody who can work with the facilities teams, the physical security teams, the asset managers who are not experienced in cybersecurity, but run the buildings really efficiently and bring those policies from IT to the OT world and kind of the, the upside down triangle, right? In IT, security is the, the highest piece, right? We want to make sure that our systems are secure, that you, know, you can't get into our servers, you can't get into the network. Uh, but in OT, it's the reverse. It's accessibility. You want to be able to make sure that you get into the building at the right times. If something's happening, you want to be able to get to the controller, you know, two, three, four in the morning, access, access, access. So having that triangle upside down in the OT side and kind of blending those two pieces together will say, you can still come in at two, three in the morning, but we are secure fashion. You can still deploy systems, but on a secure network. We must have, you know, policy changes and password changes. So working that upside down triangle that IT usually has so you know, security at the top and moving access to the top and kind of being a blend of those pieces. Uh, so that was, that was a big portion for us. And, and how do we do this? Imagining, you know, I, I hear all these different stories of imagining some non-smooth or, or, or challenges mm-hmm. in everything you just described. It has to, that can't have always been uh, easy to begin to make those changes and say, hey, this is our, our organization has another big, big component here. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's it's a challenge, right? Because people are are used to running the buildings efficiently, right? They're they're always efficient, and if the building's running, don't break it, right? You'd never want to change something if it's if it's running great, but you not you not necessarily know what what can be causing an issue. You might not know that you know your building's running really efficiently because your sensors are not up to date or not up to scope, and you don't know that there's a fault somewhere. So working with the engineering team and kind of giving them an additional resource, not saying look here are the policies, is saying what policies should we change? Where should we work together? What should we do in conjunction to make sure that you guys are getting from what from me what you need, right? Do you need a resource? Do you need an IT help? Do you need somebody to look at, you know, contracts for you because you don't understand what the server means or you don't understand what, you know, layer three, layer two, layer layer switches are? Because, you know, in the past, the vendor gives the building engineer the scope. They tell them, this is what I'm going to do to sign off on it. And many times they say, yeah, I trust you. You're my partner. You've, you've run my buildings for many years. Why am I not going to say no to you? Uh, but sometimes those people are not as experienced or they have an ex- enough experience to be more dangerous, right? Because they might know that you have to build a network, but their network might be built by parts that they bought at Best Buy or you know eBay or something like that that has exposure. So they're trying to do the right thing, but they might not be the experts in that solution. So making sure that they have a resource. So what we did is we said, where can we help you? Where can we integrate with your pieces? What projects do you have in line that you would like me to look at? And then how can we make changes together? And then, you know, having a few drinks here and there with our engineers helps as well because it helps them relax, it helps them humanize, and they see that you're not there to take the job. You're there to help them and figure out how we can make some more efficient in any project that they had in their mind because they've been running buildings for a while. They might have things that they want to deploy or upgrade or, or just, you know, showcase that maybe they didn't know how to do that in the past and now they have a solution that helps them do that. 
So this may be one of these moments. I'm always looking for the what I call the nuggets, uh, these little value props that people can take from our show. And so I don't know if this is what you you know were saying, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it and then you can maybe elaborate on it. You know, I was going to ask you, how do you overcome somebody's objection? Did you just say, give them something else they want? And mm-hmm. hey, there's also going to be better security around it, but they're getting something they, hey, no, you know they value. They might not exactly. say, oh yeah, I want security, but you know they want something else. Is it pairing, is pairing that up? Is that a strategy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the things, right? Where you figure out what they need and what can they do uh, and how do you lay that piece on top, right? So you want this, cool, we can give it to you 100%, but we're going to have to add this piece to it to make it more secure for your liking, right? You want after hours HVAC controls, cool, we're going to do it for you, but we're not going to expose it directly to the internet. We're going to add a layer of security, right? You want brand new switches. You want brand new equipment. Your you know, controllers are end of life. Okay, cool. Let's replace them. But as you're replacing that, let's also replace that, you know, that dummy switch that sits in the wall that nobody knows what it does. Let's go ahead and trace out the cable. Let's go ahead and replace that switch with something we can manage. We'll help you with the project. We'll make it more efficient. Uh, and then they can do more things. Because now we're saying, in the past, we had lighting controls on the network, HVAC in the network, elevators in the network. Now we're saying, bring it together. And now we can get all that data. And we can give you the data. And we can tell you when something's wrong. We can kind of make it more efficient for you. So you don't have to go and track down what is my IP on this side. or even Knowing what's on the network, many times, you know, the, the vendor deployed out of the system, didn't give you a scope at the end of the day, didn't give you what, you know, manufacturers was, what IP address was deployed, what devices what, or even give you a, a, a colon. They just basically said, all right, it's done. But now we go in and say, okay, we're going to help you replace these devices, but let's keep track of what it is going forward. So that if a camera goes down, you know, that it was in, you know, the P2 floor and it was manufactured by, you know, Sony or Axis or whoever that was. So you're going to go back to that vendor, get a replacement. And by the way, it's still under warranty, so you can don't have to pay for it. So it makes it more efficient for them and then helps them with their budget and planning down the road. So they know that, you know, legacy equipment has been in place for 10 years. You probably want to start putting a budget together to replace that instead of, you know, coming down to your boss and saying, Hey, equipment's dead. I need, you know, hundred thousand dollars to replace everything in the next month. So. You give them pieces here and there. Yeah, that that sounds pretty smart too. A breadcrumb trail instead of a a a large dump on one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, your position, your current one. You know, it's it's got one of the um, one of the nuggets. You know, I'm always looking for this. There's these new. You know, people are always wondering about the state of our space, right? The, of our industry. It's like, you know, who does this position report to, and who's the senior most person responsible for that? And do they come from this house or that part of the business? Um, you're in a new position, a new position, mm-hmm. and you're the first person in it. Um, is there right. any share a little bit about that and what led to led to that position being created? Sure. So when we did an, our analysis with IB, uh, we figured out that there were some things that we needed to change. There were some things where we could be not necessarily uh, too many security risks, but more efficiency, right? More more changes that we could do. So I had a background in construction because of my survey days. I had a background in mechanical engineering. I had done large deployments of infrastructure, uh, and I had a pretty good report with, you know, our facilities and our uh, physical security team. So I was in a position where I was running our, you know, business support analytic systems, uh, and that role kind of got created for me so that I can kind of roll into the OT position. I still, I'm still in IT. I work for, I report directly to the vice president of 
enterprise applications, and then up the road to our senior vice presidents of uh, MIS and IT. But I still also work closely with our uh, VP of facilities, our vice president of physical security, our vice president of sustainability. So it's kind of a, a bunch of dotted lines to what they need. Uh, my day-to-day operations are to our vice president of applications, but I still work with all the other VPs in the different systems to see what they're looking for, what can we do to upgrade, what can we do to better integrate, what solutions are they looking at uh, that we can integrate with. So we have kind of a committee, right, where they tell us what are they looking for, and we'll say, oh, physical security and engineering, you guys are looking at very similar projects. We can leverage your budget, right, so that we can deploy the system out and you don't have to do work independently. We can kind of create a big project from there and take a look at what is needed, what is really a risk, what is an upgrade, and what's a benefit. Especially right now with COVID, right, there's a bunch of things being deployed out there. Vendors, you know, trying to sell you every new camera, every new device, and figuring out, okay, how does that help us now? How does that help us six months from now? And how does that help us two years from now? You know, because we, ne- we don't necessarily want to waste money, but we want to invest in things that are going to be not just for during this pandemic, but long-term solutions and benefits for our tenants. So those are kind of the places where I report to multiple people and multiple projects, uh, but my day-to-day operations are still within IT. Yeah, is that, would it be fair to say, it's, is it a matrix sort of organization? Yeah, yeah, it is. Because, you know, my my direct boss, everybody still knows it's my direct boss and projects go to him. Uh, but I also work with the other people to see what they're needing. And many times they have their own projects going on and they might pull me in for a review. They might pull me in for a, you know, we have this proposal from a vendor who wants to deploy new hardware, new cabling, new switches. Take a quick look, see what you think. You give it the okay, cool. If not, what would you change? What can we upgrade? And then if my involvement is needed a little bit more, then I, I make it a project. And it's a quick review. Okay, this looks fine. Sign off on it. This, you know, go out for deployment and just keep an eye on, on whatever they're going to do. But it's it changes. I think right now I have on my list, I'm looking at my calendar right now. I think I have 14 or 15 different projects in different states uh, that are, are working through different pieces. You know, I, I think it's it's quite common. I, I have this, you know, my bird's eye position of being able to talk to so many different people across the industry is there's a common theme that I think the most success or forward progress is being made when there's cross-functional mm-hmm. teamwork, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, because it's it, it this problem, securing these sorts of systems can't be done by all of us alone over here without without these parties mm-hmm. all being involved. It sounds like you've got you've got that, a, a pretty good situation where, where the, all the parties are, you know, are, are talking with each other and, and trying to, trying to make progress and, and, uh, and do it, you know, do it right. Um, um, is, is new build, is new build a luxury versus retrofitting onto existing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So new build is, it's, I mean, sometimes it's a dream, yeah. Cause you get to dictate from the ground up what you're going to put in, what cables, where's the conduit going, you know, fiber versus uh, regular copper which is, but you also have ask, builds, and specs. So sometimes a vendor might say, no, 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 our, our design, which was approved three, four years ago, said we were going to go with this, right? So this is what we're going with, and it might be a change order to you later. So if we get early enough in the construction process where we can dictate those pieces, it makes it very easy. If it's a project that's been in place for a while, then you have to kind of give and take and work with the vendor and say, well, you need to commission this remotely because you guys are, you know, our building's in LA, and your team's in Seattle, you don't want to fly them back and forth. We'll give you the access, but do this piece for us. Right. So new builds are great. 
retrofitting sometimes can be a problem or sometimes can be as easy as, you know, a couple hours where you might have one system that operates the whole building and everything's interconnected already. And you're just, you know, adding the security layers on top. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, you have 17 different things and it's come back to one infrastructure and you have to get cabling vendors and you have to get electricians and you have to get conduit run. So each one is its own challenge and its own kind of feature, but they're all, all very interesting. Yeah. So taking all that into context, I would like to ask this question. If you were sitting uh, down at the beginning of your career with uh, with brand new Byron, who's just getting ready to, to take his first job, any words of wisdom or advice you would give your younger self? Uh, expect the unexpected. It's always, and, and I know that's sometimes a cliche, but it's always something different in building. You know, it's always a different day, a different project, something that you did today, maybe tomorrow might be completely changed. Uh, so you always have to be looking for what's coming down the pipeline, what's new, what's going to change. You always have to be ready with a solution. Don't just think that one one thing is going to solve them all. Have a bunch of different things in your toolkit. Have a, a bunch of different tools in your toolkit because it's going to be it's going to help you a lot. Uh, don't just stick to the standard. So if you know, and I teach on this way, you have to be a little bit flexible. You have to be able to understand that other people might not have the same background or not, might not understand the same lingo that you're using. So you have to make sure that you know your audience, work with them, be patient with them. You know, sometimes you'll get frustrated, but everything can be solved over a quick conversation. If somebody told you, if you're talking to a younger or, or an enter, somebody entering this this particular um, workspace, and they said, yeah, I really want to get into the security of, of building control systems, building management systems, is there a particular area or or sub area or way in that you would you would recommend anything come to mind in that? I mean, I, I think having a mixed bag is great, right? So there's a lot of people who are in IT who are looking to explore those building systems. So I would say, you know, get an industrial control system class, go learn about, you know, handlers and, you know, VAV boxes, kind of, you don't want to be a master of it, but you want to be able to say, you know, oh, wait, I know a little bit of that. Let me figure out what can I do with that. You know, don't just be saying, don't just say, I'm in IT, all I know is IT. And the other side is also, if you're on the control side, Learn a little bit of networking, learn the basics of networking, learn cabling, learn, you know, switching, routing, uh, having a little bit of knowledge on that side uh, is very helpful. So either you have to learn from the other side, either if you're coming from the IT side or the control side, you have to be able to bridge them together. I uh, don't expect everybody to be a, an expert. You don't necessarily want to be. You want to be able to rely on your vendors and your team to do that. Uh, but you want to be able to have a conversation and be somewhat dangerous so that if somebody tells you, yeah, the Air handler connects to the this piece right now. Wait, I, I remember my class. Let me do this, you know, or you know, it's it's more efficient if you put sensors in every single room. Well, no, you know, by design, by programming, you're more efficient if you put them in common areas or, or what that might be. But be able to understand each other, learn from each other, and be open to uh, many things. My dad always told me, the more you know, the less they can fire you. So that's always great. And he always told me that there's no problem, there's only solutions, right? So no matter what happens, you'll, you'll, you'll find a solution to it. So you just have to keep pushing that way. Well, that's, I think, you know, pretty pretty good words of wisdom. You know, it, it struck me that uh, it's it, it should go without saying that more knowledge is, you know, is valuable. But I bet also that when you have some of the working vocabulary, when you're working with some of these other parties, the mm-hmm. trust factor is increased with them when when they sense that you have some idea of their of their part of the equation, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're looking at contracts as well. And when you're talking over, you know, a project or an upgrade, because then they know they can't just BS you, right? They just, you know, they tell you, yeah, this is how it's done. Well, you can be a little bit more dangerous and say, well, you know, looking at other buildings or the systems we have, these systems of storage, we have this type of, you know, boxes and equipment and controllers and, you know, pieces there that you can uh, talk about. And then they might feel a little bit less, you know, we're a little bit more comfortable with you and a little bit more hesitant to give you just a BSP show, you know, <laughs> this is how you should do it because I say you should do it. Then it makes them think, okay, what else does this guy know? What else does this person know? Yeah. Maybe it's not the best thing if we give him, you know, legacy equipment and his quote, maybe we should update our quote to say that, you know, you should be using more standard uh, equipment that's not going to go end of life anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that makes, makes all the sense in the world. I think it is, it's great, great advice for, for anybody in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's part of, we see the TSA mission is, is just learn, learn some of the words and vocabulary mm-hmm. from the other stakeholders uh, because mm-hmm. any success we're going to have in the space is going to be cross team or, or tiger mm-hmm. team, whatever you want to call them. We're going to be working together. And so if you learn, you know, it's like two different countries, two different languages. If you learn some of the language, mm-hmm. you can build bridges, right? You can come together. Yeah. You can, uh, uh, Unfortunately, you know, there's some major distrust in some industries. Do you mm-hmm. see? Do you mm-hmm. see in your space? Um, you know, would you tell a, a, again someone who's looking at what direction I might go? Do you see that there's a lot of opportunity within? You know, what level? I suppose two two part question. What level of maturity would you give to the industry as far as cybersecurity as it pertains mm-hmm. to building systems? And is that a big opportunity for someone to go in? You know, potentially go and specialize in that area. Yeah. No, I mean it's. It's one of those areas where in the past, I think nobody really considered it, right? Nobody really thought people were just deploying systems and that was it. You deploy it out, you put it on whatever network, you connect it to the internet and you're done. Uh, so if you look at the industry, that's, that's where it all is right now, right? For the majority, you have systems deployed everywhere that are just doing whatever they want. Uh, so there's a lot of growth and there's a lot of potential, but there's also a lot of opportunity for new systems and new technology and new deployments, right? Faster elevators, more efficient water detection, more efficient HVAC. Uh, sustainability is a huge piece in this, right? Uh, how do you integrate, you know, solar panels and, and charging stations for vehicles? And, you know, how do you make communications between buildings and infrastructure more efficient? How do you bring in better ISP providers? So there's, in the past, we thought of those pieces of being corporate infrastructure, corporate IT, you know, making our emails better, making our telecom better. Uh, your computer is faster, but now we're taking the same approaches to the buildings and making them more efficient. One thing you do have to realize is that a lot of these systems stay in place for 10, 15, 20 years, right? So if you put in a chiller, you're not going to replace it two years down the road. It's going to be a long-term system, but what can you make to, what can you do to make that chiller more efficient, right? It's, you're not going to replace the whole thing, but maybe one tiny piece of it, you can make it more efficient. I've seen uh, people even down in Australia in the outback using water sensors to figure out how much water is left in tanks out in farms that, you know, we might have to drive two, three hours to get to. So if you can see what your live water systems are now, it makes it more efficient for you not to have to take that drive, that six hour round trip drive, right? So it's the same thing with buildings. How do we make our elevators more efficient, faster? How do we make touchless controls easier for you to get into a building? Now, if you go into a building with COVID, right? You have to figure out how do I push the door? How do I push the elevator? How do those things change? How are we pushing that agenda now? And those are those are the great interesting pieces where you still have a system that needs to be maintained, 
but you also can upgrade that system. You can incorporate that system and you can make it better. So they're, they're not going away. Buildings, I don't, I don't foresee them going away. I don't foresee us not operating in buildings, uh, especially because, you know, the amenities that some of these sites provide, the services that some of these buildings provide to our tenants, they're great. Sometimes it's even better than being at home. You know, you have free food cafeteria, dry clean in certain areas, uh, child care for some companies. So that for many people is, is great. Uh, so I don't foresee the buildings going away. I just foresee them getting more efficient, more friendly, and more technology advanced so that you can come and say, I don't feel safe to go into my building today. Let me check the live sensors to see how many buildings, how many people are in the building. Okay, cool. There's only 20% occupancy. I'm going to go and work in my office today. Or there's 90% people, 90% occupancy today. Maybe I'll stay home and work from home. I think that's where we're going. Yeah, and all those features, uh, ones that we need, you know, requirements and ones nice to have. There's a whole list of both of those things. Mm-hmm. They all bring with them a dark side, right? They they mm-hmm. require additional connectivity, more attack surface. And so mm-hmm. by their very nature, all, all things that are going to, I mean, it's a train driving, right? I mean, some mm-hmm. of the, the must-haves uh, requirements are, you know, they're, they're, they have to occur. These changes, these new mm-hmm. uh, access points, these new new ways of interacting with a building. So... Mm-hmm. Security, cybersecurity is on is going to be, in my estimation, mm-hmm. on a steady curve for as long as also we're innovating all these buildings, which there's no end in sight to either of those things, right? So there's there's no forward movement without security now being in step with all these correct. things. Yeah, correct. Because I mean, it's it's worthless if you can't get the data to the right people, right? Or if the wrong people are getting your data. Yeah. Right? So somebody has to secure those that information. So yeah, cybersecurity is going to be a cornerstone of buildings going forward especially as the trend starts to change, right? Especially as owners and operators are starting to think about their exposure, their brand exposure, what happens, you know, a lot of the new development, a lot of the new buildings are, are very, very high tech, right? But you have buildings that are still sitting in, you know, 1920s equipment where, you know, you have steam heaters and certain rooms and, and those kinds of pieces. So as technology is pushed forward, as innovation is pushed forward, you still have to make sure that all that data is secured and that, Nobody's messing with those sensors and nobody's messing with those buildings because the last thing you want is to say, like, look, we have more efficient elevators that can get you to the floor faster, but they've been locked down because somebody got into the control system and yeah. you're locked out of the elevators or, or what that might be. Yeah. Okay. My favorite time at every show is to end with the Pavo questionnaire. So I've always liked Inside the Actor Studio and James Lipton, who has sadly passed on, was the host for decades. And he always asked all the famous actors and actresses on the stage, in the end, he asked him the Pavot questionnaire, which he borrowed from a French show before that. So I think this goes back probably greater than 50 years, maybe longer. So I feel like I'm, I'm in good uh, in good stead borrowing uh, from a show who borrowed from a show. So we're going to end today's interview with the Pavot questionnaire if you're up for it, Byron. Yeah, great. All right. What is your favorite word? Uh, love. Yeah. What is your least favorite word? Um, the least favorite word would probably be dumb. What turns you on, either creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, innovation. Innovation, yeah. What turns you off? Um, again, dumb. When something's not really up to spec, something's dumb, that kind of depresses me. What is your favorite curse word, if you're willing to share it? Uh, I have two, actually. It's uh, WTF, which uh, we know what that means, and then cluster F. Uh, especially when I'm in buildings and I look at stuff and I'm just like, wow, this is just a cluster F or WTF. Yes, I'm familiar with those terms. 
We use those in the military, um, probably for similar circumstances. Um, <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Uh, believe it or not, I love the noise of jet engines. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, I think just warnings, warning sounds like alarm sounds, because when something ha has that, especially in the building control system, it's not good. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would have loved to have been an archaeologist, actually. What profession would you like to not do? Uh, not to, probably something in the restaurant industry. Uh, I don't know. I've never been really like a cook or something. I know cooks love their, their jobs, but I don't know if I'm a great cook. So that's probably something I couldn't do. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hopefully here's your family. Come on in. <laughs> you know, it's something where I can, you know, live with the ones that I've loved and just, just happiness and blissfulness. Awesome. Thank you, Byron Lopez, Operational Technology Manager for Kilroy Realty Corporation. Thank you for coming on the show today. Tom, thank you, Derek, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Take care.